0: Okay guys, we're back in First Peter today. 1 uh, Peter, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, the first three verses in chapter 2, here in just a few moments. Um, the title of the message is called Our Source of Growth. So, we're going to be looking, we're going to be talking about really the Word of God today, being our source of growth. Um, and so I got a, uh, I guess you could say it's a quote that I want to start out with. Could use it towards the end for application, but maybe to get our minds thinking just on the the Bible, on on our time in the Word. J.C. Ryle says this. He says, four thoughts on reading the Bible. So just keep these in your mind. I may go back to it later if I remember. Uh, He says this. First of all, read the Bible with an earnest desire to understand it. Okay, read the Bible with an earnest desire to to understand it. Secondly, read the Scriptures with a simple, childlike faith and humility. Thirdly, read the Word with a spirit of obedience and self-application. See how practical these things are? Because that's that's what we're going to be talking about today is reading the Word of God, being in the Word of God. And then lastly, he says, read the Holy Scriptures every day. Day, Okay? So again, like I said, I may go back to these, I may not. It just depends. I, sometimes I lose my train of thought. But just listen to the language of that. You know, when you approach the Word of God, as Christians, remember who you are indwelt with. You have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so... As I'm going to talk about here in a moment, he gives us understanding of the Word, okay? So read it with that desire to, to understand it. Approach the, God, approach the Word of God with a simple childlike faith and humility. In other words, don't come to the Word of God sitting in judgment on the Word of God, right? Approach the Word of God very humbly. Let the Word, let the word of God judge you, okay? So even as believers, we can come at the Word of God with an irreverent attitude. And then, of course, Always be reading the Word of God to to obey what the Lord shows you, right? And then obviously be consistent. Be consistent. But I want to speak to that for just a moment. This whole idea, guys, of um, before we look at the text in First Peter, the whole idea that that as believers in Jesus Christ, God has given us His Spirit. Okay, if there's anybody sitting here today who you think, well, I, you know, I just maybe you you, you you're intimidated by God's Word. Or maybe you feel like that you don't understand it as, as, as much as somebody else. So there are Christians that really are insecure in those areas. Listen to what 1 John 2, 25-27a um, says. And I just want to make note of a couple things in this text. It says this, This is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. This is talking about the illumination of the Holy Spirit that God gives us as His people. Obviously, John in that text, is not, he's not denying the clear teaching of Scripture that we need teachers, Right? Pastors, teachers. That's not what he's saying. Obviously, in this letter, he's teaching the people that he's writing. He just simply means that we're not to be dependent upon human wisdom and the opinions of men for truth. Okay? We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit who will help us to understand these truths in the Word of God. The abiding Holy Spirit. The illuminate, it's a gift from God, guys. The illuminating power of the Spirit abides in all true believers. I know in my own life, when I think back before my conversion and afterwards, I just remember the Word of God for the first time in my life. You know, because I was an adult, being able to understand anything it said. It was alive all of a sudden. Because before that, there was no understanding. It was blank. And so that's that's the power of the Holy Spirit, the illuminating power of the Spirit. And that abiding Spirit, obviously in that context in John, it protects us from deceivers. It protects us from being deceived from false teaching. Listen to what what Christ said in John chapter 10. Remember, He's he's talking about His sheep, right? He said, I laid down My life for My sheep. My sheep hear My voice. They follow after Me. He says this in John 10.5, A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him Because they do not know the voice of strangers. That's that's that abiding, protective Spirit of God that John's referring to in 1 John. It protects us from deceivers, right? And so I just want you to, to rest in that before we look at the text today that if you're born again today, guys, God has given you His Holy Spirit to help you understand His Word, And we need to approach the Word. I I would say to add to what J.C. Ryle said, prayerfully, right? When you go to the Word of God, don't just flip it open and start reading. Go to Him prayerfully. Lord, show me these things. Help me to understand Your Word. You know, when God says we pray according to His will, He answers us. Do you not think it's God's will for us to understand His Word? Absolutely. Now, having said all that about having the Spirit of God, you know, we have responsibility in this as well, Right? We need to be active in actually reading it. Right? Just because God gives us the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we automatically understand everything. The Bible tells us many times to, to study to show ourselves approved. So there's always a balancing, a balancing to it. We're not just going to automatically know these things are false until we start understanding the truth. So you see the balance in it? I hope you see the balance in it, guys. Uh, with that being said... Uh, if, you, if you don't, if you're not turned turn there already, turn to First Peter chapter two. If you guys wouldn't mind standing, just this three verses today. First Peter chapter two, verses one through three. He says, "Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander." Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. You may, you may be seated. Father, I just ask You, Lord, to help us today. Help us, Lord, as we, as we look at a passage about Your Word, Lord, as we discuss the illuminating power of Your Spirit. Father, I pray that You will help us even now through Your Holy Spirit, God, to to help us understand this text and to to obey it and where it's an imperative, Lord, and to uh, just apply these truths to our lives. Father, I pray that You'd bless Your people today and that Christ would be glorified and that He would be treasured today. In Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> so verse 1 begins with, A Therefore, therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So let's look at the word therefore. I think it's very clearly really referring back to this last section we looked at a couple weeks ago. Verses 22-25. through 25, You're going to see it today. That there's going to be... Really, it's tied to, to, to verse 22. When you think about what verse 22 said, guys, a couple weeks ago. He said, "...since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls... For a sincere love of the brethren. You guys remember we discussed that. That our souls were purified at the time of conversion. And that because of that, God gave us a sincere love for the brethren. So we're definitely, in verse 1, that's really going to be tied back into verse 22. We'll just start there. um, And then really, verse 2 in chapter 1 is going to be tied directly back to verse 23. But we're going to be jumping back and forth in this text today and the previous few verses a few times. So I'm not going to cover it all now. <clears throat> but in verse 1, in chapter 2, I've got the sermon broken up in four different headings. The first one is death to sin. Okay? Death to sin. Um, you don't always come up with the... Uh, what are they called, guys? See how dumb I am? Um, what is it called huh? <laughs> Alliteration. <laughs> You know, but sometimes it helps if you can. You don't want to try to force it upon the text. But when you can come up with alliteration to help you guys out if you're taking notes, sometimes it helps you remember it better. So it did work out this time. Death to sin in verse 1. Secondly, in the the first half of verse 2, we're going to see desiring the Word. Thirdly, we're going to see in verse 2b, daily growth. And lastly, and I'll explain when we get there, direct result, okay? But let's look at death to sin, first of all. In verse 1, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Okay, this phrase, putting aside. We see this phrase used in the Scriptures. Paul uses it a few different times. You know, the whole idea of putting off, putting off garments. It's, it's, a, it's to give up, to get rid of. It's, it's used of taking off clothing or garments. Or think of it even better, soiled garments. Taking off soiled garments. In this, in this case, spiritually, it's talking about putting aside wrong practices. Okay? Putting aside wrong practices. Now, in the Greek, this is an imperative participle. Okay? So if you have an ESV, I believe it's going to say put away, right? And the NIV, kind of the same thing, rid yourselves. But in the Greek, I think that the NAS and the King James and the New King James has it better because it's an imperative participle putting aside or laying aside. And so as an imperative participle, it's dependent upon the command in verse 2. Therefore, putting aside these things, in verse 2 it says we long for the pure milk. I don't like to get too much in the weeds and those type of things, but just wanted to explain it for your different wordings in the different English translations. Either way, it's a command. Okay, Either way, it's a command. That's what we need to see here. This is a command. About this putting aside, about this taking off of clothing, these soiled garments, this is something I learned. I I was not aware of this. In John MacArthur's commentary, he says this, in ancient Christian baptism ceremonies, those being baptized customarily took off and discarded the clothes they wore to the ceremony. Following their baptisms, they put on new robes they received from the church. Maybe we ought to practice that. That might get expensive. <laughs> but I think that's a isn't that a beautiful picture though? I, I've never heard that. That's a, that's a beautiful picture. Let's look at these. Let's look at these um, these sinful practices that he's telling us to put aside because it really this is where it really ties back up into verse 22 in chapter one. He says, therefore, putting aside, first of all, all malice. All malice. That word just simply means evil or wickedness. Okay? And not only intent, but displayed in action. It's a desire to inflict pain on somebody. Does that sound like somebody who has a sincere love of the brethren? Like it says in verse 22? No. No. This, these things, as you think about verse 22 again, we, we've been, our souls have been purified, right? Remember, we obeyed the truth of the Gospel to repent and to believe. Our souls are purified at that time and then obviously it's a, it's a continuation through sanctification. But it says we have this sincere love of the brethren. We are to fervently love one another. And so he's saying because of this, because you've been born again, We got we got these things we got to put aside, and it's a continual thing we have to do. Putting aside first malice, secondly deceit, obviously meaning dishonesty, falsehood, treachery. Literally, the word means to bait or a fish hook. Okay, how many fishermen we got here? Any fishermen? Hunter's not here. I just want to tell you, if you're a fisherman, you're a deceiver. When we understand, what are you doing? You're throwing that bait out there, right? You're trying to trick them fish. You're trying to deceive them. <laughs> no, my son made a made a point here a while back. He goes, Man, I would hate to be a fish. But but think how it ties into this word. Think about you're a five-pound largemouth bass and you see this little lure swimming along and you think it's lunch. And Cody said, Can you imagine being a fish and being you grab on something that you're gonna eat and you get yanked out of the water? On the dry ground where you can't breathe. So that's uh, that's what that word means. To bait. Okay. There's a deception to it. Um, hypocrisy. He says, putting aside hypocrisy. Obviously, I think most of us in here would understand that's an actor, right? A play actor who puts on a mask. Obviously, in this context, it's a spiritual insincerity. We're to put these things off. Envy. It says put off envy. all envy. I think you guys know that. When you love somebody, when you truly care for somebody, are you not thankful when they're blessed by God in some way? Right? Think of envy as just the opposite of that. Just the opposite of that. You're not thankful. There's, there's, a, there's even a resentment. That's obviously not having a sincere love for the brethren. Right? We're to put these things aside. This is really going to tie together when we get into verse 2, all of this is going to tie together, okay? He he has a thought process going on, obviously being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we're to put off all slander. Speech behind someone's back intended to harm others. Their status or their reputation. It's really a defamation of somebody's character. And so we're to put these things aside. And if you notice, he uses the word all. All all malice, all deceit, and all slander, just meaning totality, right? Not just, don't halfway deal with it. We're to put these things aside continually. Take these things off. All of these wrong, sinful practices, guys, that he just mentioned, they seek to harm others, right? And so when we're carrying these attitudes and these practices, we're not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? Love seeks the good of others. This is real obvious. One other thing, he says, don't, he, he doesn't phrase it to, to, he doesn't say, don't fight against these things. He says, put them aside. Like when God says, deal with sexual immorality, what does he say? He says, flee from it. Really the same idea. Deal with it. Deal with it. And I think it would be right to say always, guys, because we can always... It's always a very dangerous thing when we start talking about these things to slip into preaching morality. Okay, We don't want to do that. All of these things are possible only because of the Gospel being a reality in our life. Amen? When we are purified, when we believe the Gospel, and God gave us a new heart, when He made us new in Christ and He changed our affections, right? It all starts with the Gospel. But as God's people, we do have a responsibility, right? To work out our salvation in these very practical areas of our life. Uh, So yeah, it's all possible by the Gospel. The Gospel, believing upon Christ, is what gives us the power. I think we just sang in the song that that I, I, I forgot the wording, but... I wouldn't have the power to obey these commands, right? It comes from Christ. Same thing here. The gospel, the power of the gospel is what breaks the cycle of sin so that now we can begin to put these things aside, to put them away. These are hindrances, beloved. These are hindrances. And this is what we're going to see. This is where we start tying in the text, okay? We must deal with sin before we will truly desire the Word of God. That's going to be the next imperative in the verse. Really, the main thrust of this passage is longing for the Word of God. But what Peter is saying here is that if if you're not dealing with your sin on an everyday basis, you're not going to long for God's Word. And if you've walked with Christ very long, I think you can say amen to that. You're dealing with sin. You're dealing with envy. You're dealing with uh, slander, malice, you're not going to be desiring God's Word. If you are reading God's Word, it's going to be more of a formality. You're not going to be desiring God's Word when, you're, when, when these things are in your life. So that's, that's where Peter's headed with this. So these things that we're responsible to put away, to put aside, to lay aside, moves us to verse 2, desiring the Word of God. The first half of verse 2. He says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. We'll stop there. So it goes like this, guys. The flow of the text is like this. Therefore, putting aside these things, and then, so that you can long for this, okay? This must come first. Before we can long for God's Word, we must deal with these things that He just mentioned. Therefore, putting aside, dot, 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 now long for. Putting away these practices, these unloving practices is necessary for spiritual growth. We're talking about spiritual growth today. We're going to see that God's Word is the means of spiritual growth, but so are putting away these practices on a daily basis. It's part of our spiritual growth. So, first of all, he says, like newborn babies. I, you know, I had, I'm still going to use Ella today as an illustration. I was hoping her parents would be here so I could pick on them. And then we have an infant, obviously. But, so, I, I was really sad that we wouldn't have any of our, our, our youngest folks here today. Because that, that is the thrust of the text, right? The, the metaphor is newborn babies. So, we're going to be talking about that. Like newborn babies, he says, long for the pure milk of the Word. Peter is not implying, guys, that they're necessarily immature believers, okay? That's not his point. They may be, they may not be. The point he's making, he's saying that they should long for the Word in the same way that an infant longs for milk. That's the analogy here. And and how does an infant, for those of you who have had kids... This is where I was really wanting to see Hunter and Savannah, their expression on their face. And, uh, but those of us who have had kids, we've raised kids, uh, maybe, you know, Jamie, like nieces and nephews, you've seen little ones. Um, we're to, were to uh, long for the word the same way that an infant craves milk. And how do they do that? Very, very eagerly, right? <laughs> and very, very frequently. Do they not? Keep this picture in mind. It's a brilliant illustration that, the, that Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has given us. Parents, understand this. Let me ask you this, parents who have raised little infants. Do these little infants care about what others think or who they bother when they are desiring milk? Not at all. Do they care what time of day it is? Not at all. They crave the milk like their life depends upon it. Do they not? Are you seeing the comparison? Are you you seeing what the Lord is trying to tell us? In the middle of the night, they don't care if you're asleep. Matter of fact, they seem to crave it often during the middle of the night. Now, how can we apply that to the Christian life? Well, how about... We could apply that by being determined, by being resolute, by being even having a bulldog mentality that we need to be alone. We need to get alone with God in His Word. Sometimes when it may be inconvenient for other people. I have got to spend my time in God's Word. Not a matter of legalism, but a matter of, you know how essential it is, the Word of God. So we can learn from that. The the way that infants crave the Word of God and and they have to have it. They have to have it. Do we have that mentality with the Word of God? Again, they they act as if their life depended on it. Obviously it does. Our spiritual life does. Another thing we need to understand that this text is not saying, the, the milk in this text does not represent elementary teaching as it does in other places in Scripture. For example, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul is dealing with immature believers in this text. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. In that text, he is dealing with their immaturity. That's not, the, that's not what Peter's doing. He's giving us a metaphor, showing us how we should crave... The Word of God, like an infant, craves the milk. So it's two different things. So he's using milk. You know, sometimes we'll see milk and think the text is saying the same thing and it's not. And then he says this. He said, like newborn babies, here's our imperative in verse 2, long for the pure milk of the Word. We are to long for the pure milk of the Word. This is an intense personal desire. That's what it is. Intense personal desire. Listen to the language of Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water, Brooks, so my soul pants for you. Same same meaning, same language. Now, I've been deer hunting pretty consistently since I was 16 years old. I'm not like a real super serious deer hunter. But I've been deer hunting... I've seen hundreds of deer in the wild, killed a few. I don't think I've ever seen a deer panting like that for water I not that I can remember, but I have seen a deer panting, okay because it's gonna be the same language, this longing. this was just several years ago we're sitting at our house during 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 hunting season. it's hunting, not hunting <laughs> no but but during. So during that's why they have hunting season at a certain time because the the bucks are in rut, right? For you, for those of you who don't know, the does are in heat, mating season, okay? And so the bucks, these bucks who are normally very secluded, especially the the older they get, they're hard to hard to find. But during the rut, they can sometimes let their guard down, right? Because they got one thing on their mind, and that's finding a doe. These does are in heat, and these bucks begin to pants <laughs> they begin to long for a doe so normally you go, you go deer hunting in the evening or the morning or the evening usually they're not moving around during the middle of the day one day it was me, Trish and her mom were sitting on our front porch I think everybody in here has been to our house and at one o'clock in the afternoon this buck, this young buck was walking directly up our driveway and his tongue was hanging out his mouth he was panting he was, and he wasn't thirsty he was panting for a doe That's the same language, guys. This this buck had one thing on his mind and that was finding this doe. He longed for it. And that's the language here. Whether whether the deer's panting for water or or desiring a doe, it's a strong, intense, personal desire. And it says this, like newborn babies, long with this kind of a desire. Think, Think about the illustration I just gave do you ever long for God's word in that way? You, you just desire God's word. You have to have God's word. Not so you can mark it off your checklist, but because it's so precious to you and it feeds you. That's what we're being commanded to do, to, to have a not just to read read it, but to long for it. It is our spiritual food. And it says the pure. The pure milk of the Word. Obviously just meaning unadulterated. It's free from impurity or imperfections. That's what this Word of God is. In other words, guys, the Word of God will never deceive you. It will never deceive you. It will never lead you astray. That just got me to thinking as I'm, as I'm working through this, You know, it'll, and why won't it lead you astray? Because it's truth, right? The Word of God is absolute truth. And so it just got me to thinking, you know, why does the world hate God's Word so bad? Is that not where the fight's at? I mean, when it comes down to it, it's always an attack on God's Word from the very beginning. Remember? Remember the serpent? Did did he really say? It's an attack on God's Word. And we see it. And it just got me to thinking all the way back in Genesis 3 that we talked about last week when God promised the serpent that there was going to be Uh, Let me turn turn to it real quickly just to read it for those of you who might not have been here. I'm just amazed at how often you can go back to Genesis 3.15 and it just makes sense. But he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And of course, we see the covenant of grace after that. But that whole idea that there's going to be enmity between your seed and her seed. And so what do we see in our world? We see that the, the world unbelievers, they hate God's word. They hate that, which is true. The very thing that'll never lead you astray, never deceive you, the world comes in opposition against it. And we, and we see it in, in John chapter eight, when Jesus reminds us that the devil is a liar, he's the father of all lies. And so you can see this war, this an attack, this opposition. On, on that which is the only, the only truth that we have. And that should just show you the hostility that we can see all the way back in Genesis 3 lived out. I heard it all night last night. Just an attack on God's Word. And so we see that. This is our spiritual, our spiritual nourishment, beloved, right? Man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So so again, I just ask you, okay? By way of self-examination, by way of application, do you long for God's Word? Do you long for God's Word? You have to ask yourself that. If you don't, if you don't find yourself longing for God's Word in this way, then maybe you need to camp out in verse 1 a little bit. Is there sin in your life? Are you allowing these things to crowd out your love for God's Word. You need to deal with these things. Before you can long for God's Word, we need to make make sure we're putting aside these sinful practices. And He didn't give an exhaustive list. It could be other things. It could be lust. It could be coveting. But we're we're to put these things, we're to deal with our sin, right? We're to confess our sins daily. Come to the Lord daily and deal with these sins so that we can then long for God's Word. That's the progression here. And then thirdly, we're going to see our daily growth. Daily growth. In the second, second part of verse 2. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So that by it, by it, we're seeing, by, by that phrase, we're seeing the means of or the, or the source for our growth. And that is, that is where I developed the title of the message. The source of our growth, the means of our growth is obviously the Word of God. So that by it, the Word of God. Is it not amazing, guys, for those of you who have had kids? Again, Jamie, you've seen plenty of you know, nieces and nephews. Is it not amazing how fast. Our kids grow. I mean, I mean, I've seen I've seen y'all's kids grow since we've seen them. Uh, it's amazing. We don't really understand that when we're the ones growing up, but when you see your kids and you see maybe somebody else's kids you haven't seen in a year, and it's like <laughs> they grow so fast. You know, I was going to comment on on Ella. She uh, she just turned one. And so if you guys, you know, Ella's a, she's a, she's a, she's a big gal, right? She's healthy. Uh, But, you know, just think about how small she was a year ago and and how much she grows. Now we're going to have a little Sybil. We're going to see Sybil grow. And so I really think, again, that's why Peter uses this metaphor of infants and milk. Okay? We have, we have one grandson. I think most of you have met our grandson. His name's Jace. Jace was—he is a little bit over a year and a half. He is a pre-COVID baby by like a few days, as far as when it all went crazy in our nation. So he—he he, he was born right at the time we planted the church. But uh, he was born, I think, pretty average size. He was a little long, but average weight. But we noticed, you know, as he began to get two, three, four months old, he was very small. Again, he was. He was fairly long, but he was very thin. And we become, we started to become concerned. Normally, babies start getting chunky. They don't start getting skinny. And so, through going to the doctor, our daughter-in-law found out, obviously, unintentionally, she was starving the baby. Her body wasn't producing milk. And he was such a contented little guy that he never cried about it. Jamie can testify. He is... Probably the most contented baby I've ever been around. And he never he never complained. He was not getting milk. And he was literally starving. And man, did he make up for it now. Now he's in... He was over last weekend. And now he was... Because at that time, he was down in like the low 10%, I think, of his age. Now he's in... What is he? Like 80%. I mean, he is eating like a horse. But what a picture, guys. What a picture. Our, like, like a baby, like Jace, our growth is going to come spiritually as we take in the Word of God, right? Jace was not taking in the milk like he was supposed to be. And he was, he was, he was literally starving. Because after that, it is like chow time when he comes over. And so there are many Christians who are starving themselves starving themselves nobody's starving you you're starving yourself if you're not getting the intake of the word of God like you need I was going to ask Hunter and and, uh, Ella this question I was going to ask them I'm sure you guys whenever uh, when Ella was strictly on milk I'm sure the only time they gave her milk was on Sundays right? you think? that's nonsense I mean who would do that? Who would just give their, their infants milk? Well, it's, it's time for milk. It's Sunday. It's Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon in our case. No, they, they would be charged with child abuse if they did that, would they not? Many Christians spiritually, again, they abuse their own souls through neglect of the, of the Word of God. And you, you think about that. How, you know, I, and I ask you all this. What is your intake of the Word of God? Is it Sundays? You know, apply that metaphor to your spiritual life. You, maybe you wonder why you're not growing. First of all, are you dealing with your sin on a daily basis? And how often do, do you long for God's Word? And how often are you taking the Word of God? I mean, we try, you know, and, and obviously, I've only been a pastor for a year and a half, so I've heard other pastors who I've said under say this very thing. We try to provide obviously, as much of the Word of God as we can here on Sunday. Through, through, the, through the sermons, through the singing, through the quipping hour. But that's one day a week. Okay? So I would encourage you not to starve yourself.
1: And, and, and to realize,
0: God, what, it, what an abuse it is on your soul. Flip over to Psalm 1 real quick. We looked at Psalm 1 a few months ago. We've been singing Psalm 1 from time to time. But just the first three verses, guys, I think it can remind us of some of this, what we're talking about today, just how important God's word is. Okay? God's word, your intake of God's word, your consistent intake of God's word is more is so much more important than any conference you ever go to. Your favorite preacher you listen to, it's your consistent intake of God's word. Listen to Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? You guys remember we talked about that—that that the person who's not getting their, you know, their their, their advice uh, on, you know, on the things of life from the wicked, from the world, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight—you hear that word—delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and because that's his delight. It fits into exactly what we're looking at today. Because he delights in the Word of God, and that only comes through dealing with our sin consistently, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then the result, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Just the, the spiritual strength that God will give you by consistently being in his word like those roots that run down deep planted by an unending, unending supply of water that's what God offers his children guys okay he offers you maturity strength he wants us to be the kind of Christian that can minister to other people not the ones who are always needing to be ministered to obviously we minister to one another but you get the idea. And that only comes through longing for the Word of God, through dealing with our sin, longing for the Word of God. I think back of the, uh, I did think about it, the the practices that J.C. Ryle said. Look at them now. Uh, Read the Bible with an honest desire to understand it. Read the Scriptures with a simple, childlike faith and humility. Read the Word of God in a spirit of obedience and self application. Lord, how can I obey your Word? Show me who Christ is. Show me Your Word. Teach me Your Word. Help me understand Your Word. And show me how I can apply it to my life. And then read it every day, consistently. So to tie this text together with really the end of chapter 1, we saw in verse 23, the Word was the source of our birth. Remember that? For you have been born again, up in verse 23, You have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. So we see the Word of God, it's the very source of our spiritual birth. The means that God used. When we heard the Word of God, we heard the Gospel, and we believed it. And we're seeing very clearly, it's the source of our growth. I guess I would ask you this, what's the most important thing in a believer's life? The Word of God, right? The Word of God. So, Beloved, we're to grow up in Christ. That's what He's saying. He's saying we're to grow up in Christ, and growth means it's not the only mean of the mean, the only meaning of the word, but it means sanctification. Part of growth is sanctification, being made like Christ. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen to His Father sanctify them in the truth, your Word is truth. We're going to be sanctified. We're going to be made into the image of Christ. More so, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to run side by side with how much time we're spending in God's Word. Not going through a, going through a checkoff list. Well, I read God's Word. No, no, but really, spending time in God's Word. The very, uh, the very last... Words of Peter in his second letter here. In 2 Peter three seventeen and 18. He says this, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall away from your own steadfastness, but grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know, obviously it's Peter, we know what he means by grow, right? Through the Word of God. Dealing with your sin. Longing for the Word. Being in the Word. We are to grow. We are commanded to grow. We're commanded commanded to long for the Word so that we may grow, but we must be dealing with our personal sin. And lastly, in verse 3, we see the direct result. And to explain what I mean by that, in verse 3, it says this. Let me, let, me, let me just read the whole thing again and end with verse 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if or better, translated, since You have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So in other words, verses 1 and 2 are a direct result of verse 3. First of all, we tasted the kindness of the Lord. All that we've discussed up to this point is a direct result of verse 3. Because you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, you long for the pure milk. So, verse 3, in other words, is the indicative that logically precedes all of the imperatives that we just looked at. Okay? It's not always going to be that way in Scripture, but in this case, it is. In other words, since, okay, or because we have tasted the kindness of the Lord or the goodness of the Lord, we are now to put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes. Now we are to long for the pure milk of the Word. But it started with tasting that the Lord is kind. Tasting that the Lord is good. He's quoting that from Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's one of my favorite verses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. How many of you guys have tasted fried chicken? Raise your hand if you like fried chicken, right? I don't have to twist your arm and say, hey, you know, is fried chicken good? If you've tasted fried chicken, Jamie, you know fried chicken's good. I have tasted fried chicken, and there ain't nobody who could convince me otherwise. There ain't nobody who could convince me, well, yeah, that fried chicken is really not real, and this and this and this, and I don't believe in fried chicken. You can say all that all you want, but I've tasted it. Fried chicken is good. (laughs) But you know what's better, guys? I hope you can see the the comparison here. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So people can deny Christ. People can mock Christ. People can say this about Christ. I've tasted Him. I've tasted the forgiveness of sins. I've tasted the freedom from slavery to sin that I thought I'd never be free from. At that time, not that I wanted to be, but I didn't see myself ever being free from These patterns of sin in my life. But I have tasted that the Lord Jesus Christ is good. He is so good. And that's what this starts with. Because we have tasted. The word means, guys, tasted. In both Psalms and and in Peter here, it means to come to know by experience. Have you guys tasted that the Lord is good? I want to hear an amen. I hear Jeff saying amen. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Amen. Man, you guys. Hey, Jeff preached for Lynn's Church this morning. He can tell you, man. They're, they're, uh, they, they talk to you now. No, but those of us who have tasted, we've come to know Christ by experience. It's not just an intellectual thing. I taste him. When you're in the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the, the, the triune God, you're praying to the Father. You're, you're, you're 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 so thankful for what the Son has done for you, and the Spirit of God is applying the Word of God to your heart. That's tasting the Lord. That he is He is good. I love the phrase in, in Psalm 34 8. I didn't even recognize it until I looked over my notes this morning. How blessed is the man. What did we talk about last week? Who takes refuge in him. That was the command last week, right? Kiss the sun. Take refuge in the sun. Right? What happens for those who do not kiss the Son? His wrath will soon be kindled. But it said, blessed are all who take refuge in Him. The consistency of God's Word. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. And so lastly, guys, really just, um, just for us as believers, guys, Peter is exhorting his readers. Okay? He's exhorting his readers. He is exhorting... You today, through the Word of God, to move from simply tasting that the Lord is good. Because if if you have truly been saved by God's grace, you have tasted that the Lord is good. But he's trying to get his readers to move from simply tasting to now being consistently nourished through the Word of God. You see that? Remember, who is he writing to, guys? He's writing to these persecuted believers. That was my prayer for the believers in Afghanistan. As Trish and I were praying for them the other night, you know, I thought, how, how fitting, how, how similar the, the, the readers who he was writing to, remember, under persecution, fleeing for their lives, being sown in animal skins and fed to wild beasts, being tied to stakes and burned alive. Sounds very similar to what our brothers and sisters are going on. And we're seeing what Peter wrote to them. And so if you want to pray for them, our brothers and sisters, just go back and some of these promises we looked at in chapter 1, that God would encourage them, that God would cause them to remember the greatness of their salvation, their inheritance. Many of them already have or are fixing to find these things out. Obviously, not just by faith, but by sight. But we're to pray for these. We're to encourage one another with the persecution that we will face with these truths. And that's what He's doing today. Again, just the Word of God, guys. It doesn't matter what we're going through. Again, because of who He's writing to. He's writing to these believers that are being persecuted to long for the pure milk of the Word. Remember the... The Lord who saved you, His kindness. Remember how you tasted Him, and now now grow even in your time of persecution. I hope all that made sense. But but that's the that's the imperatives for us as God's people. And if you've never tasted, guys, if you if there's anybody here who has never tasted the kindness of God or the goodness of God, I would appeal to you today. I would appeal to you today. I think of Romans chapter 4. We'll tie it up and wrap it up. Paul says this, Do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? See, if you've never tasted the kindness of the Lord... You, you really don't, you don't have any understanding of how kind God is. And the reason so many people don't understand the kindness of God, they, they don't understand the gravity of their sin. The gravity of our sin. Do we realize, as believers, how kind God is towards us in His mercy, sending His Son? And then I was reading that verse that in Romans 2.4, I've always focused on the words his kindness and His patience. But it also says His tolerance. We hear a lot about tolerance in our day, do we not? Have we ever stopped to consider God's tolerance towards us as sinners? He tolerated us. How, how God was so patient, so kind, and He tolerated us in our rebellion. That He didn't strike us dead in our sleep. That's what we deserve. And that's what you deserve... Today, if you have not taken refuge in Him, think of the kindness of God. Think of the the kindness of God, this just and holy God who has His arrows, His fiery shafts that we looked at last week. And He's got His bow drawn back and it's pointed right at you if you're not in Christ. And one day, the arrow's going to fly and the fiery shaft's going to hit the target. And His wrath is going to be poured out. But he's, he's patient. He's patient. Right? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting on sinners to repent. He's waiting on sinners to repent. Don't don't take His kindness and tolerance and patience for granted. Realize that God is kind, that He is patient, that He is merciful, that He is loving. He demonstrated that by sending His Son. And I would just close with this. Take refuge in Him. Take refuge in the Son. Kiss the Son like we talked about last week. And you will. I can promise you. I can promise any person on the face of the earth if you come to Christ through repentance and faith, you will taste and see that the Lord Jesus Christ is good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your very Word, God, that we were talking about today, Lord. And your, your Word that that caused us to be born again, Lord, in Your Word, that is the source of our growth. And Lord, my greatest desire, Father, is to see these believers here in this room, those who are not with us today, Lord, to grow. Obviously, that's, that's my job, is to, to help not only myself, my wife, my family, but our church to grow, to help, to assist. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that, that our church individually, As individual believers, Lord, that we would grow in our faith, that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, God, that our people would long for Your Word. I pray that that they would deal with their their sin, Lord, that we all have to deal with on a daily basis, Father. We have to be vigilant in in slaying our sin daily, Lord. So I just pray that You would help them. I pray that this message would be an encouragement to them, Father. And Lord, I pray that You would be with us in equipping hour as well, Father, as we, um, as we learn and apply, um, again, uh, scriptures to our Christian life, Lord, through, through looking at this um, story of Pilgrim's Progress, Father. We thank You and love You. In Christ's name, Amen.